Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. Hey, before we start uh, and get into today's message, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about year-end giving. Now, Beulah Church family, um, because of your generosity over this past year, Did you know that back in June, uh, we were able to make a $500,000 lump sum payment against our debt? I mean, that's that's awesome. I mean, that's incredible. That's a huge lump sum payment because of your generosity. Now, here's how it happened and why it's strategic for you to continue giving to our general ministry fund. Now, uh, we run ministries, we pay our bills, we support our staff out of our general fund. And last year, when we saw the dynamic duo of rising interest rates and inflation, uh, our finance advisory committee and our board of elders decided to make that big lump sum payment. And because they did, because we did, uh, so far we've been able to save $12,000 in interest and over the next year, we're gonna be saving another $35,000 in interest. I mean, that's, uh, that's incredible, right? Like that's like free money because of that. So that's all because of your generosity in this. Now, um, those are the sorts of decisions that we're able to make when you give to our general fund. So where are we at today? Well, today, uh, we're behind budget by about $300,000. And in order to meet budget, we need, to, uh, we need a total of $1.3 million by the end of this month. Now I know that sounds like a lot, because it is, <laughs> uh, but over the last few years, every December, you, us as a church family, have given in excess of $1.1 million every December. Okay, so it's not out of reach, but in order to do this, we have to do this together. So on top of your regular, regular giving to our church, would you prayerfully consider a special year-end gift? And if you haven't given to Beulah, uh, consider this your invitation to start. You know, if every single one of us did one of these two steps, we would be able to get this done. And by doing that, honestly, this is going to help us start 2023 strong because we have so many incredible ministry opportunities planned for this upcoming year. For example, uh, we're putting on a free income tax clinic to help low-income individuals and families. We're mentoring and discipling those who have been sexually exploited in our city. We're listening, learning, and developing a partnership discovering what that looks like with the Alexis First Nation Church. We're helping new Canadians learn English and get settled in Edmonton. And we're actively ministering right now in the Edmonton Institution for Women. And starting this new year, we're gonna be going into the Edmonton Remand Center for Ministry. And now, you know, all of that is on top of the continued week in and week out ministry that happens across all of our campuses at Beulah. Uh, For example, the workshop is something we started with our kids in the kids zone this past semester. And we're seeing already people from our community, kids from our community that have never gone to church, that don't go to church, come to church with their parents through this outreach. This upcoming year, we're going to be doing summer day camps for kids, new youth mentorship program. And this past semester, we did Youth Alpha 
at Jasper Place High School with about 60 kids. It's just wrapping up. And next year, we hope to do Youth Alpha in many, many more high schools throughout this spring. On top of that, we're doing Alpha in universities and Alpha in our neighborhoods too. We're doing marriage enrichment events. And, and you know our seniors luncheon that we do monthly? It's not just for our church family. We're seeing people from our community come to church, come into our church through events like this. We also have a friendship group for adults with cognitive and developmental challenges. We have Celebrate Recovery happening week in and week out. And we're continuing to launch new Beulah communities all throughout Greater Edmonton. And this upcoming year, we're going to be re-engaging what short-term mission looks like uh, by, by organizing some trips. You know, honestly, this is just scratching the surface. I could go on and on about all of the incredible ministry that's happening at Beulah. And in a few minutes, I'm going to be sharing a few stories of how we are seeing our vision to awaken Greater Edmonton to King Jesus come to life. Uh, so to do that, let's get into today's message. Uh, and let's pray first before we do that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for all the incredible ways opportunities that you've given us as a church uh, to be a blessing to everyone we live, work, study, and play with, to be the good news of Jesus in the prisons and in the hearts and in the lives in and around greater Edmonton of all who live here. Thank you that you've called us into this, that we get to be salt and light together in this way. So we pray right now as we go into this message that you would stir our hearts, that you would speak to us deeply, and that we would know you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we just sang the song, O Come All Ye Faithful, right? I love that song. It's, it's one of my favorite Christmas carols. And as I was preparing for today's message, uh, I actually listened to this song many different times, and, and when I looked it up on Spotify, I, I was trying to find a version to listen to it, and you know, you know what's crazy? It's crazy? I looked, and there were over a thousand different versions of it. Like, can you believe that? Like a thousand different versions of this song on Spotify. I came across songs and versions that must be played, like this one. You know, oh, come. Right, Nat King Cole, classic. Right, I found this one and, and Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, one by Elvis Presley. Any Elvis Presley fans here? Anyone? Yeah, I mean, it was a great version. Uh, and then as I was searching through the list, I came across versions that are overplayed, like this one. Anyone know who this is? Pentatonics, right? It's all a cappella. Like, there's no instruments. Right? Love it. So great, but so overplayed. Right? Like, it's always on the radio, at the mall, all that. Because it's, it's a good version. It's a good version. Okay. But then, as I was uh, coming across and looking at all the versions, I came across versions that should never be played. In fact, you know what? I'm not going to play any of them for you because it was just it was like it was it was it was just wrong. Like I came across this one rap version, like a rap version of "Oh Come All Ye Faithful." Like, come on! Like that's just wrong. This is a hymn, right? It was like I don't understand how this is happening. And then and then you know I came across um, you know that doo-wop band from my childhood, Hanson, those brothers. 
Yeah, they did a version two, and we are not playing it because it was horrible. I'm not going to say that word, but, but you know what? Like, literally, it was a travesty to this hymn, to this amazing carol. And then, and then, <laughs> you're never going to believe this. I came across this one version that, like, I, you know, the title was, O Come All Ye Unfaithful. Right, like, 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 can you imagine, like, how would a song like that even go? Oh, come, all ye unfaithful. Right, like, it'd probably start like that, and then lazy and ungrateful. And then, I don't know, like, don't come ye, don't come anywhere near me. And maybe it'll go, like, run from your sin. No, no I'm just going to stop. <laughs> Stop while we're ahead. But literally, like, I came across so many of these versions. But you know, when you, when you, when you think about this song, right? This song in its original form, O Come All Ye Faithful. And you, when you think about what we sang and what it actually is intended for and intended uh, to stir in our hearts, it's actually intended to help us come and gather together, right? Like, to come and gather together to worship and adore our king. Like that's, that's what this song is and that's what this song is about. To come and worship the son of God. To come and worship Emmanuel, the king of kings and the lord of lords. You know, so this song, when you think about it, has a bit of a, like, come on, y'all. Like, come, 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 come. Like, see, see what's happening. Like, see what's going on. Like, that's what this song, that's the sort of feel that this song has. See what's happening. See what's going to happen. The song is an open invitation to all of us to learn how to live a faithful life. A faithful life. So, so how do we do that? Right? How do we live a faithful life when today it sometimes seems like the cards are stacked against us? You ever feel that way? Like you want to live a faithful life, but just kind of, you feel this opposition sometimes. And I'm not talking about how to live a perfect life. Jesus, Jesus doesn't expect that of us and, and he doesn't call us to be perfect. I'm asking how we can live faithfully today. Right, like faithful in our relationships with our friends, faithful with our families, faithful in our work, faithful in our in our schooling, faithful in every respect of our lives, right? Like, how do we do that? In fact, earlier today, uh, we had a funeral here. Uh, one of the faithful saints of our church, Cliff Nelson. And it was just so encouraging to hear how he lived a faithful life before Jesus. How do we do that, right? Like, how do we live faithfully today? Now, it would be one thing if our culture treated Christians in the same way that our culture treated every other group, right? But it doesn't. It doesn't. I mean, these days it seems like every other way is acceptable except for Christianity. Have you ever come across some who write off the Bible, just write it off without even reading it, and they're like, the Bible? No, it's ancient. Uh, the Bible, it's prohibitive. The Bible, it's, it's bigoted. And maybe you, have you come across others who kind of write off the way of Jesus in the same way? And they're like, the way of Jesus? Like, Jesus? I mean, come on, like, you really believe he existed? 
He's, ex- he's so exclusive. I mean, Jesus is so irrelevant. He's so, he doesn't let me live the way that I want to live. Maybe you've come across people like that. And then, and then here's a trifecta, right? Maybe you've come across politicians who say that they're Christian but don't look like Christ, don't act like Christ. And then maybe some pastors and evangelists who, who you know, their life is filled with scandal. And you're like, uh, well, that's not right. And then because of Christians like these, there are many in our culture who just throw the baby out with the bathwater. And they're like, Jesus, irrelevant. Christianity, no, anything but. Have you ever come across that sentiment today? Yet, in the midst of that, what we find is the way of Jesus is continuing to grow. All around the world, but here in Greater Edmonton, and you know what, in our church as well. In fact, uh, this one young adult said recently, here at Beulah, that I was, this is what he said. He said, I was in such a different place even just a few months ago, but things have taken a real turn, and I'm actually serious about my faith now. This is one of our own. And then I heard back in October, one of our Beulah communities organized a Halloween gathering, and as it was going on, one of the neighbors came and said, hey, you know, this, what you're doing is amazing. No one in our neighborhood has done something like this for 20 years. And here's another story from a couple weeks ago. After having experienced deep hurt in a church before, and after avoiding anything related to the church for years, this one lady decided to come to Beulah on the arm of her friend. And during worship, she felt an overwhelming feeling of love and an immense burden lift off of her. Never having experienced this before, her friend was like, uh, that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> like, that was God. God is moving in your life. And then get this, her son was in Kid Zone and had so much fun there that he went that week to school and told all of his friends, classmates, and teacher what the story of David and Goliath was actually about. Because he was so compelled by what had happened. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, praise God for how he's moving in our midst. Oh, and you know what? Last week, six people gave their lives to Christ for the first time, and a week before that, another person did as well. Friends, God is moving in our midst today. He is awakening greater Edmonton to King Jesus, and all this is happening right now. These aren't old stories. These are like real-time stories that are happening right now. All this is happening because of you, because of us, because we're learning, we're gathering, we're learning how to live faithful lives for Jesus. So as we come to this last chapter of Philippians, uh, we're gonna discover today how we can live faithful lives. We can live faithful lives by standing firm in Jesus, by journeying with friends, and by living with hope. So let's open up our Bibles to Philippians Chapter four, if you have your devices, you can open up the Bible app for that too, and and we're gonna read from Philippians four, starting from verse one. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntacti to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partners, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. 
So how can we live faithful lives? The first way is to stand firm in Jesus. To stand firm, stand firm. That phrase, stand firm, in in Greek is stako, okay? And it can mean one of three things. Uh, One, it can mean being in a standing position. You know those receipt checkers at Costco? You know, it's, like, I, it's, it's amazing how they can stand for so long. Like, it's just absolutely incredible. So, so on the one hand, this word, stand firm, can mean, you know, just sta- being in a standing position. Well, the second way to understand this word, it could mean being steadfast. It could mean being firmly committed in your convictions or beliefs, right? Like, stako, like staking your ground. That's what it can mean. Well, it could also mean this. Right, like smoking a big honkin' tomahawk steako. Right, steako? Come on, I thought that was funny. Steako? No, no, this has just nothing to do with steak. I'm sorry, you know, it's nothing to do with steak. It's completely, I just wanted to show that because it's a beautiful picture of uh, red meat. But you know what, take a look at this verse, okay? Uh, Take a look at this. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Okay, so with that verse up there, uh, when Paul says to stand firm here in this way, stand firm in the Lord, this is also what he's saying. He's telling them to be alert, to stand firm in the faith, to be courageous, to be strong, and to do everything in love. That's what he's saying here when he tells us to stand firm. In other words, stand firm in Jesus by being aware of all the cultural currents that are surrounding you, right? Be aware, be alert to the lies that are being fed to you directly and indirectly through conversations, social media, TV, movies, favorite shows. Stand firm in the midst of all of these lies that we face, right? Lies about your sexuality, Lies about your worth. Lies about what is good and important. And lies about what is actually important, right? Paul here is saying to be alert of all of these lies and to stand firm in the faith. To stako, right? To be courageous, to be strong, and to do everything in love. So in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, when Paul says, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, he's actually, when he says that phrase, in this manner, he's actually referring to everything that we've been talking about since October. Everything in chapter 3. I mean, just take a look at this. He's saying from verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, no matter the opposition, okay, no matter the cultural currents, no matter what is coming before you, we need to stand firm and stand Stako our ground by, take a look at chapter 3, verse 1, by being people of joy. And then in verse 2, by being aware of false teachers. And then if you look at verses 3 to 6, by placing our foundation on Jesus and not on our accomplishments in life, in this manner stand firm. Look at verse 7 to 9, by living with an eternal perspective. Stand firm, verse 10 to 11, by welcoming suffering as a way to know Jesus deeper. 
Stand firm in verse 12 to 14 by keeping your eyes on Jesus. And verse 15 to 17, stand firm by pursuing depth and maturity in our relationship with Jesus. This is what he's saying. He's saying in this manner, looking at everything that we just talked about, stand firm, stay co. This is what a faithful life looks like. By standing firm in Jesus. Well, the second way that we can learn to live a faithful life is by journeying with friends. With friends. Now, you know, we all have a way of speaking and writing, right? Like when, when, you, when you say hi to someone, maybe it's like, maybe, maybe you just go like, hey guys, right? Or, or when you say hi to someone, maybe it's like, yo, what's up, right? Or maybe you are, you know, you're English and, you're go, and you go like, hello, top of the morning to ya. Right? Or maybe you just like doing accents and you just do that anyway to your friends. Or, or maybe, you know, you, you like Westerns, right? And you're like, howdy, howdy, right? Or you're like, hey, y'all, like, or you just go the plain old, hello, right? I mean, regardless of how we talk and how we write, we all have a way of doing it normally. Well, here's the thing, though, right? Um, we all notice, like we don't notice when our friends say hello in the customary way that they usually do, but when they do it in a different way, like that's when we notice, right? Like if your friend like usually would say, hey, but then they come to you and they're like, uh, hey, so I have a question. In your mind, you're probably like, what do you want? <laughs> right, what are you trying to do? Or maybe they come to you and they're like, hey, how you doing, like how's it going, right? And they're like this, and you're like, why are you going side by side? I feel really uncomfortable, like this is weird, right? Like it's when, when our friends say hello in a different way, we notice, right? We notice, something's up. Well, um, when Paul writes letters, he has a usual way of writing and speaking. Like there's a very customary way that he writes and he addresses people. But here in these verses, chapter four, verse one, he says hello in a very awkward and different way. And it's like, what are you trying to say, Paul? Right, take a look at this. It's like he's trying to butter them up or something. Right, like, so then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown, in this manner stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. When Paul says hello, usually it's hey, uh, my brothers and sisters, or on occasion it'll be like, hey, my dear brothers and sisters. But here he's like, hey, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters. And if that's not enough, he calls them his joy and crown. <laughs> like, what are you trying to do, Paul? Or like, what do you, who even says that, right? My joy and crown? Like, what does that even mean? And, and, he, and he says that here. And then if that's not enough, at the end of verse one, he says, again, Dear friends, it's like uh, when I've gone golfing a lot and I want to go golfing again. And I, so I, I vacuum the house and I do all the dishes and I give Christina a massage and I'm like, hey, so I was thinking, right? Like, uh, like going golfing again, what do you think? Right, like that's kind of that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing here. He's reminding the Philippians of their friendship. Like he's, he, he's reminding them, that, hey, I love you guys. I'm so deeply invested in you. I wanna be with you in person. I care for you. I, 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 we're, we're friends, right? We're, we're such good friends. And then in verse two, he makes the ask. 
He says what he was planning to say the whole time. <laughs> right? Take a look at this, verse 2. I urge Euodia and I urge Syntacti to agree in the Lord. Now, upon first glance, uh, it might not seem like a big deal, right? Like, he's just asking Euodia and Syntacti to get on the same page, to settle their disputes. In other words, he's saying, hey, so uh, I know you're fighting, I heard you're fighting, so stop fighting, right? That's kind of what he's getting at. It's like, you know, stop fighting on Facebook, right? Come face to face, talk, like human beings, right? Don't fight via text. Like, imagine how much pain and hurt and misunderstanding would be ridden if we just address conflict in person and not over text messages or Facebook, right? Like, I mean, seriously, so this is what Paul's saying here. He's like, okay, uh, so you guys need to come together. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if you look at everything that Paul writes, he might occasionally name names. Uh, like in the previous chapter, we talked about, uh, well, a couple chapters ago in chapter two, we ta he talks about Timothy and he talks about Epaphroditus and, and he names names like that. But you know what? When Paul addresses conflict, and there's a bunch of conflicts here and there throughout the New Testament, um, but when he addresses conflict, he never names names. But he does here. So why? Right? Why, in this apparent conflict, is Paul calling out these two people? Right? Why is he singling out these seeming troublemakers, Yodia and Syntacti? Here's why. It's because they're friends. Because they're his friends. Take a look at how the theologian Gordon Fee uh, describes what's going on. Apart from greetings and the occasional mention of his coworkers or envoys, Paul rarely ever mentions anyone by name, but here he does. And not because Yodia and Syntacti are the bad ones who need to be singled out, precisely the opposite. Here are longtime friends and coworkers, leaders in the believing community in Philippi, who have fallen on some bad times in terms of their doing the gospel. That he names them at all, is evidence of friendship. Since one of the marks of enmity in polemical letters is that the enemies are left unnamed, thus denigrated by anonymity. In other words, Euodia and Syntacti are Paul's friends. So take a look at verse three. In verse three, where Paul says that they are women who have contended for the gospel at his side, and our co-workers in the book, and, and whose names are in the book of life, right? I mean, when he says all of this, there's a dispute going on. So Paul's actually saying all this, and he's telling his friend, his true partner, to mediate and help his other friends settle the fight. Like, he's, all this, like, they know each other. These aren't random people. These aren't aggressors from the outside. They know each other. They're friends. And you know, honestly, we could spend the next 30 minutes debating what the nature of their disagreement might have been, but that wouldn't be the point here. Because the original recipients of this, of this letter would have known exactly what was going on. So what relevance does this have for us today? Well, it's this. Paul was able to live a faithful life because he journeyed together with friends. And these were real friends. 
real friends, not acquaintances. And why, why do I say real friends? Because real friends don't give up when there's conflict, right? Acquaintances do. They're like, I, I really don't have much invested in this relationship. See you later. No, real friends will duke it out. They'll be together. They'll, they'll be with one another. And you know what? The fact that they're having conflict and haven't unfriended each other shows them that they are for one another. And that they're friends and they want to work this out. This shows that their friendship isn't surface level. It's real. It shows that their friendship has been tested by fire and is being tested by fire and they want to push in and keep on going. So do you have friends like these? Do you, in, when you examine all the people in your life, do you have people, friends that you are willing to fight with? Not fight for, fight with. Um, and still remain friends because that's how much you value their friendship. Do you, have, do you have friends like this? So much so that you would rather work your way through the uncomfort of it all, of the conflict. Because that's how much you value the friendship. And like the true partner mediator in verse 3 do you have friends that you're willing to mediate for because you love them so much and you want to see them work it out? So, uh, going back to what Paul said to the, to the Philippians. So then, right, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown. If I were to say the same thing to you, this is why I would say it. In order to live a faithful life, we need friends. We need friends. We need to journey with friends. The way of Jesus isn't the way of isolation. The way of Jesus is a together sort of life. And maybe you're like, yeah, I have friends. I have, I have so many friends. Look at my contact list. Like, I got so many friends. But that was pre-COVID. And you used to be in a group, but now you're not because you just kind of haven't kicked it back up again. In order to live a faithful life, we need to journey together with others. We need to gather together, grow together, give together, and go together. This together sort of life doesn't just happen. Right? It requires intentionality. It requires you going out of your comfort zone and saying, yeah, you know what? I, I am going to go out another night of the week as much as I don't want to and take off my PJs and put on real pants, right? Like, I mean, it's like, we, we, we need to sometimes make that extra step. But in order to live a faithful life with Jesus, we need togetherness, we need friends. You know, that's why in every season of my life, I have been a part of community. In fact, when I reflect on my current Beulah community that I'm a part of, and I think about all that we've journeyed together through over the last couple years. I started the group during COVID. Um, yeah, we studied the book of James together and that was, that was great, but on top of that, I mean, we've faced miscarriage and death as a group, in the group. On, on top of that, we've faced job loss, a member losing his job and, and then and new babies being born, discerning major life decisions. All that has, was a part of that group, and, and then we regularly have been and continue to pray for our coworkers and family members who don't know Jesus. We prayed for healing when there was sickness. I, 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 honestly, I can't even imagine trying to, 
trying to go through life without friends and without my community. That's why it's so good to be a part of one. Because in order to live a faithful life, we need friends. All right, so, uh, so far in this message, we've talked about two things, right? We've talked about standing firm in Jesus and journeying with friends. So our, our third point is about living with hope. In order to live a faithful life, we need to live with hope. Now, when you hear the word hope, what comes to mind? Uh, for me, it's that town in BC. You know, it's like the last stop before Vancouver you go. It's, it's always, we always go to that McDonald's, and then we go get gas, and then we drive into Vancouver. Like, that's what, that's what comes to mind for me when I hear the word hope. Uh, maybe for you, it's, it's politics, and it's like hope that the next election is going to be different than the previous one, right? Or, or maybe for you, hope is uh, Star Wars, Right, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope, right? Maybe that's what you think about when you think about hope, or maybe, right, just maybe it's hope that Mariah Carey will re-record this song, right? Like, I mean, this song, classic. Heard it a million times, like Mariah Carey. I think it's about time for you to re-record this, right? But this time, she'd do it with Justin Bieber, right? Like, how amazing would it be if she sang together with the Biebs? with Tim Beebs, right, Bieber? Oh wait, that is, he is, they are singing together. <laughs> oh wait, that happened. And you know, it's not creepy at all that Justin Bieber was nine months old when Mariah Carey first sang this song. It's not weird at all, is it? <laughs> Especially when you see how they're singing, like, okay, anyways, uh, anywho. Uh, in verse three, uh, when we see this theme of hope, when we think about hope, uh, there's a particular meaning to that at the end of this verse. Okay, so take a look at verse three. Uh, yes, I also ask you, true partners, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Whose names are in the book of life. Now, as followers of Jesus, we recognize that this life is in all that there is. It's not. I mean, that's why we need to stand firm as dual citizens, both as citizens here on earth and citizens of heaven. So at the end of verse 3, Paul is reminding the Philippians and he's reminding us that our names are recorded in the book of life. Now, there are a few references to the book of life in the Old Testament. Uh, there's one here in Philippians, and then the rest are actually in Revelation. So I want to read this to you. It's, it's fascinating. Revelation chapter 20 verse 12 and 15. Okay, so here's John's account of what's to come. I also saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Okay, another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by what was written in the books. And then in verse 15, and anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now these two verses are talking about the great white throne of judgment where both the faithful and the faithless will have to one day stand before God. And what we hear and read here is that this judgment is not gonna be arbitrary, right? But this judgment is going to be based on the evidence and the record 
of our lives that's written down in these books. In other words, there's going to come a day of judgment for all of us where our eternal destiny is going to be decided based on these books. So you know what that means? That means that there's a record of, of everything we've ever thought and done and spoken. Like, it's actually all recorded down here and written down here in these books. And, and if you're a disciple of Jesus, then Jesus' name and his sacrifice on the cross will pay for the price of the consequence of all the evil that you've done, everything that you've said, that you've done, that you've thought, Jesus is going to pay for the, all of that consequence, and you are going to be welcomed into a new heaven and new earth. That's, that's what this says. That's the hope that we have. But if you aren't a disciple of Jesus, then you will need to pay the price of consequence for your deeds. And no amount of good deeds unfortunately, can outweigh the scales for you. So instead of being welcomed into the new heaven and the new earth, we see here in this passage that anyone who doesn't follow Jesus will be thrown into the lake of fire. Wow, Daniel, you went there, right? Yes, I did, because the passage talked about the book of life, and I have to address it because it talked about the book of life. Yeah, but this is really awkward, isn't it? Kind of. Okay, maybe you thought that, right? Just wanted to play that out for you. <laughs> But if, but, if, but if that's what you're feeling right now, let me just bring us back to the point, point of this message. The question that we've been addressing today is how we can live faithful lives, right? Like that's what this passage is about. And we can definitely live faithful lives by standing firm in Jesus and journeying with friends. We can do that by those first two points. But one of the most potent and visceral ways for us to live a life of hope and to live a faithful life is by living with hope. So if you follow Jesus, here's your hope, right? Your hope is that your name is written in the book of life and beside everything that you've said, everything that you've done, everything that you've thought, beside all of that, it's all scratched out and there's a big forgiven, set free, justified, paid in full. All of that is written across everything that you've done and everything that you're going to do. Now that's a reason to be full of hope, right? Right? That's a reason to be full and to live with hope. But if you don't follow Jesus, then your name's still there in that book. And everything you've said, everything you've done, everything you thought is still recorded down like everyone else's. But the balance is still owing. Tab hasn't been paid. Someone needs to pay this somehow. Justice still has to be served. And it's either you or Jesus. Now here's the good news. If you don't follow Jesus, it's not too late. You're living, you have breath in your lungs. And that day has not yet come. But you're still waiting. Who's going to pay that tab? Is it going to be you? Or is it going to be Jesus? When Jesus came to this earth, when he died on the cross, and when he rose from the dead, he paid in full. He paid in full everything that you've said, everything that you've thought, everything that you've done, and he provided a way for hope and a way for new life. He knows, he knew that this book of life existed, and he was like, I'm going to write my name beside 
through my death and my resurrection because I want people to live with hope. So maybe you're here. Maybe you're at our Bonnie Dune campus, our Southwest campus. Maybe you're at home watching online and you're not sure where your name is written and what's beside it. Well, I want to tell you today that you don't need to worry about that anymore because there's certainty in following Jesus. If you decide to follow Jesus and invite him to be the Lord and the master of your life, then beside all that you've said, all that you've thought, and all that you've done, it's all going to be scratched out. Not just in the past, but in the future too. Because we'll all mess up, like we all do, all the time. It's just being human. Jesus knew that. But he's like, I'm going to pay that price for you. So if you're here, if you're online, if you're at one of our campuses and you want to make that decision, if you want certainty in your life that there beside your name isn't still owing, but it's paid in full, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. So why don't we all close our eyes? And if that's you, would you just follow me in this prayer? Jesus, I give you my life. It's a simple prayer. It's not everything that you need to pray. It's not everything that you need to deal with between you and God, but it's a start. Just say that. If you want to experience freedom and wholeness, both beginning now and into eternity, And pray that prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me for thinking that it's all up to me. Forgive me for thinking that I could do it on my own. And I give you my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer as a church, we would love to journey together with you. So if you're here in person, then in the seat back in front of you, just grab one of these cards, fill it out, and on the back it says, I've decided, follow Jesus. If you're online, you can go to Beulah.family and go, when you go to that website, Beulah.family, you can click, I have decided to follow Jesus. And here's why. Uh, It's not for numbers sake. Well, we want to celebrate with you. But the reason we want you to fill this out and we want you to share with us either in this card or online is because we want to journey with you. We want to help you understand what it means to follow Jesus. Like, what does that that look like? I I prayed a prayer. Is that it? And I just come here. No, there's more to that. And we want to walk with you. So, friends, it's been so good to worship together with you. Uh, Have a great week, and we'll see you all next week. Okay? Grace and peace. Thanks for listening and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.